welcome my children to Gokman Horrible Podcast UK. Florine seemed to remember his mother once saying, Houses give off a feeling that she could sense things inside them. At the time he had been a boy, his family had been drifting around watching prospective homes as an estate agent. He only remembered the occasion because his mother was distressed by a house that had heaved and hurried away from to get back to the car. As an adult, all he could recall for that particular property was a print of a blue-faced Christ within a grid frame hanging on the wall of a scruffy living room, the only picture of any of the walls. The beds had been unmade, which had also shocked his mother. His father never con- contradicted his mother on these occasional matters of psychic dementia. His father never encouraged her to hold forth on them either. Something terrible happened here there was his mother's final remark. Once the car doors were shut, the house was never mentioned again. I think that we perhaps were the incongruity of both the blue skin of a Christ a house belonging to Christians that issued an unpleasant feeling to his mother. When she should surely have detected the opposite effect. Frank amused himself trying to second guess what her intuition would be about the first home that he had ever owned. He knew his dad would say about the 120% mortgage he had arranged to purchase a two-bedroom terrace house once on the on the house was fixed up, he had them he'd have them down his place he told home. After ten years of cohabitation and tenancy agreements, and now in front of the house grubby bricks, raced a drab street crowded with identical houses that leaned over round so narrow that two cars driving to opposite ends struggled to pass each other. But a final juggle with a yelking moved him out of the weak rainy light into an unlit hallway where the air was thick with trapped mace a cloud of stale and oathry cauliflower barley bowl a trace of floral perfume descended about him he assured himself that the house would soon exude the scent of the wealth the single possession who could cook a bit of time Make entertaining and use herbologies. Once he ripped out the old carpet, stripped the walls, and gently tore the shit out of it. As his friend Marcus had remarked, with decisive relish, the house had quickly moved to Mirador of the wrong decade, age group, and gender. It shrouded in a thin illumination that waffled through ground floor windows, begrimed with slit and silvery nets. He quickly realised that it had been a mistake. The faces had not been cleared of the former owner's furniture. It was as if he mixed up the strange dates and stepped into what remained of the vendor's home. She was seventies then, Marcus had remarked with a grin on his face. During the evening he had visited and assisted Frank's purchasing decisions between lift to up, to down and an ex-character property in Westbury Castle, which indeed needed an airstrike more than a first-time buyer. 
baker lay sitting on the wall of the front room was a chunky light switch the same colour as its curtain board kitchen cupboards and fittings with plastic and artificial limbs used until the 1950s but the switch was stiff you pulled it down the ceiling fixture only emitted a smoky glow inside its plastic shade a shade patterned with all the colours of the tiny tin of the food court tower he stared at the cluttered room his at his distaste and irritation fattened fantasies of destruction fattened inside it arose the recital of gas grill by a grill and its plastic cold and concealed light bulbs that would glow in the heat an ancient television in a wooden cabinet a small screen come back like a poorly knit grounded lens and a pair of ancient spectacles a turfed sofa exhausted and faded and used and when article once flush and dark but now I'm sagging in the suggestion of shabby valour gloves dropped from a giant's hand all with affrontory taste the furniture and application also made him morose though glad he had been born in the mid-centuries that he had not long to wait for the stars to crash his own appear modern over the next decade beneath his feet a red carpet swelled and green fronds and waving fruit of chameleons tons liquid fire he looked down at the leaves of his focus was jewelled into the pattern the carpet was all motion of dim electric lights to and framed the last of his optimism as he just uttered an appropriate remark in polite comfy of the dusty gloom of the sitting room an oddly chasing quality descended upon his spirit faint wind shout and touched the walls without really understanding why he felt the need to a paper as old and fussy against his fingertips a wine pattern no longer lilac on cream but scepter on parchment about him the warmth and powerful fragrance of the room intensified in tandem with his curious guilt momentarily his thoughts were weighed with remorse he was being forced to observe the additional distress his spiteful thoughts about the decor and his inflicted upon someone already frightened and stooped he even felt an urge to apologize for the room outright only the sound of the delivery truck were reversing the beating outside served thanks from the inexplicable change the unpleasant feeling passed he surveyed the room again what where to start before he could pull up a single carpet tack the furniture would have to be moved all of it he reached for the phone this also meant that the terrible formica dining table and extendable flats would be crowding the second downstairs room along with the hideous crooked chairs he checked out to confirm that all the vendors furniture remained in place but but safely visible and wondered why he kept his voice down frank jogged up the narrow stairway to expel a sense of fatigue presumably caused by the stifling air precipitation of the renovating the house the master bedroom was still choked by an immense veneer walnut wardrobe hidden it seemed during the two viewings of the property a scientist a teak dresser stood before him in defiance a bed had probably defied the ruthless bombing of the munitions factories of the nearby grand union canal appeared in placeable vast enough to fill what remained of the floor space one quick look around the door 
but the second bedroom revealed it was also being used as aspartame by the former previous owner, as it referred to two cardboard suitcases baked with Christmas decorations, cans of grapefruit, cans striped linen, and knitting paraphernalia. On the tiny landing, was standing beneath a white hardwood lock latch. Frank wondered if the old woman had been leaving out out, or perhaps moved out, or perhaps come back home. She was an inquirer at home, I think. Couldn't cope. Went a bit funny to venture at something. A ranker that was an estate agent at Dustin, a walking perch from Langley, had said when Frank had asked about the former occupant Dustin, but why didn't have relatives collect her things? Maybe she had no one at the end. Frank was overwhelmed by the unwelcome notion of the idea of age of indignity steady but sure of who would once have been recycling the former position on the bay. Same tragic end might have been fulfilled one day. Right here, too. He was disorientated by a sudden acute empathy with the loneliness that might have been absolute. It took a conscious effort for him to suppress the awful feeling. Wiping his eyes, he went back downstairs. He listened to an answering machine at the estate agent and left a curt message for Justin. Then turned about in the living room and forced a change of tact in his thoughts. He visualized the transformation of the room. Marcus it would affect wooden floors, white walls, wooden blinds, luminous light fittings, dimmers, a wall fitted TV, black and white movie screen in, sti- in steel frames on the walls, leather furniture, a stainless steel kitchen, a paved yard for outside dining, a spare room filled with gadgets and chests, fitted cosset plate and nothing in the master room but his new bed and standing lamp, a sunlight. Clean lines, clean colours, space, light, peace, morality, protection. He had his work cut out. On Friday of Frank's first week in the house, the former resident furniture was still in place, as if it had been a long time to leave the carpet dark beneath the sofa and solitary armchair in the living room. This had prevented him stripping the walls. Instead of furniture was pulled away, the kitchen was the only part of the house he could dismantle. Even though he was become fond of it, using it to make egg and chips, which he had not eaten since he was at school. He also liked to listen to the radio in the room, a BBC Radio 2, which he couldn't recall ever hearing since his, his childhood. As a result, he stayed off pulling down the old wooden cabinets with their frosted glass doors. There was also something cosy and reassuring about the cupboards with a little white stove. And anyway, as Marcus was due to arrive in school, the following morning, Saturday, it was no different from showing the disruption till that time. He needed groceries too. The weekend had, uh, hadn't organized himself sufficiently to shop at the supermarket. He'd been dipping in and out of the local shop. To feed himself, the store was called Happy Shop and was conveniently situated at the end of the road. A strict lit cave run by smuggling underground. This would his full trip to the store in a week. Or had it been more than that? Didn't, doesn't, didn't matter. 
be beautiful too. It might be just be the Arctic roll that you've been eyeing up the day before. What has that been wanting? Nothing that you could define the day you first visited the house. It's all been slow and pleasant. Things have been out haven't been out much that week either. Now I find yourself facing too many companies, going round to local shops. You're the furthest you've ventured all week. Because the house was immensely warm and cosy, you made me consider the world outside the front door. It's not been either of those things. On leave the first time in six months, you quickly slumped into the routine of slouching on the sofa and drinking it away. But what should be to keep you spin? This should be the first opportunity to relax you. And if it ain't relaxed, you must have found a place to chill off. Chill off. But the house was only tidy not one to slept off as you was in a coma by the hour after lunch too until his shows came on. Nor that he had ever seen any of the children's mother before due to working. He quickly discovered preferences in the five birthday girls available to him. In the cupboard under the stairs he found a garden shopping trolley on the wheels, good park beside a carpet sweeper. He was sure he would flog an ego to a retro nut, having to fetch and carry so many things all week for a habit shop. It made the idea of using a trolley gradually less of a joke as the week progressed. And before he left the house on Friday, he even pulled outside the cupboard and wondered if anyone young might laugh at him in the streets if he went out with the trolley. But if he did, he didn't care. He was sure he didn't, wasn't sure he'd care. Inside Happy Shop, he usually faced his everything. The idea of sushi or stir-fries, anything with rice and coconut milk, or anything that had been messed out about, messed about with, like curries and chilies, that he often ate, all running his sauce, turned his stomach with revulsion in the fact. The store hoarded forgotten treasures from any sensitive childhood. He spent his work week, first week, Eating a tin pink salmon with rang and white bread he didn't know was still baked with lots of mixed tin white pudding. His new diet too that joy and sponge. Ice cream packed in a cupboard. And Mr. Kipling French fancy for pudding. He had to discover his enjoyment for scent milk and individual frozen chicken pies. He bought for the first time in his life a round English lettuce. Up in the happy shop, within minutes, a packet of bird's eye fish fingers and a tiny bag of mint peas rustled in the basket. There are four baskets at the front of the shop. They smelled of a newspaper, a telemarketing segment, strawberry flavoured angel light. They all sold in sachets, a box of beaten chips, a jar of melon bird patties. Went into the basket next. He avoided anything with onions. He recently gone off them. To his growing Helen McCarthy mystery, its fragrance, he added some parade flavors of March. He remembered being stored in a sink in his family home. Once he got busy with duster and some pledge, and when he had finished on the winning bread, he would come up a treat. Those little looks rosewood sidewalk and cheap dresser. Hayton becomes fond of using the cupboard above the cooker as a space for keeps. I often found himself dipping into it before he watched telly in the afternoon. Inconspicuously, the true purpose of his cupboard had suggested itself to him. So, in the happy shop, we bought a bag of marionettes and fries to take us to light. All, all 
almost done. What else do we need? What's the matter with it that you see one of these and white plastic bottles of fairy liquid? You haven't seen the packaging in years. You see smells of the red metal, a fragrance of childhood that someone definitely envisaged. Overexposed images turned into memory, running in swimming trunks, glass waves, floating in bathroom bowls, happy bowls, a plastic bottom filled the warm water warm, suffocating with laughter as he chased by his brother who squirted him to the water with a fairy liquid bottle, trying to swim in the bathroom pools. Though when he never deep enough, his knees bumped to the bottom. And then lying face down in the warm water for five seconds before springing up to see his mum was worried that he would drown. And he saw Black Cherry in the Maltese, with his mum and nanny man watching him and smiling. He ran round so much in a step that he even thought he detected a trace of curse from the kitchen fence. A twang of burned with oil and tinder. Frank walked back to the house dreaming and taking short steps with his head down as worry as his head is underfoot until he snapped out of the new habit and walked normally. When Marcus knocked on the door at ten in the Saturday morning, Frank jumped up from the kitchen and stalled. I couldn't account for why he was so nervous. He was being silly, but opening the front door was suddenly a cause for great anxiety. His father was scarcely breathing inside the hole. Besides, the thermostat looked like something from an instrument panel or the dawn of space travel when Marcus peered through the letter flap. Frank was forced to open up. What's going on, Marcus said, when he took saw the kitchen. I thought the child had used I thought the child had used them. This ship would be gone by now. Your your stuff can't stay in my garage forever, mate. But despite his friend's disappointment, Frank Prayed to stay the solution for the kitchen and hoped he would someday how delay Marcus, persuading not to encourage him splintering the wood and crowbarring off those kitchen cabinets. Surely it was from the news. They must have been up for decades and still wouldn't it. Nothing wrong with them. In fact, so it seemed cut the waste. And Frank also wanted them left alone for another reason. He must have been nagging at him with his saddle, guttering kitchen just felt wrong, bad, like violence, like bullying, too embarrassed for his own sentimental to defend them, and with a heavy heart he helped Marcus break the cupboards away from walls and he felt like crying as he had their worst stupid crowbars. When he found a hand writing behind the cupboard, Len and Flora, 1964, Frank went back into the bathroom with moist eyes and smothered his face inside one of the big lemon towels he found in the airing cupboard. The three wall cabinets and roll of cupboard were soon piled like earthquake wreckage in the yard. A sight of a pale, unpainted wood had been facing the kitchen walls since 1964. It came hard at sight of dead pet had once had had once done a rabbit rigid with terrible pentiment and unfairness. In its final sleep, when it had still been loved, indifferently to the descriptions read by Lynn and Flora, they found four Mar- Marcus cracked open tins of white emotion and began painting the wall bare walls. As Marcus worked, Frank recognized he despised his best friend.
did not have time to walk down those another week that weekend, and he was just as well, because Frank relationship with Al changed in the night after the desecration of the little kitchen. A following morning, while Frank was sat dopely over toast and a mug of tea in the newly painted start room of the kitchen, his stainless steel unit piled up in the middle of the room. He moves that dreaming during the preceding night as if he was indeed someone else's dream. All night he passed through the dark muddle of images that mostly lost to him in the memory. He had retained partial impressions of the room through the smoke of silk like cigarettes, a clutter clatter of scrubbing, a Mac Maroon song playing in a continuous loop from a black tape recorder, a device he'd been seen in detail with all splatters of white paint upon the speakers, all phrases that had been in the song. He hadn't heard it in years. He had also been a guest on the Price is Right, which somehow been inside the show, while also watching himself from the sofa. It had been his goal to win a small caravan. A contest had been compelling just before he awoke. He was still standing it, standing upon the yellow vinyl, which before counting pages of green stamp stamps, green seal stamps and months he'd, he thought he'd welcome because there'd been someone in the bedroom with him, talking to him between short intakes of breath, a small instinct figure was standing on the foot of his bed. The second, more vivid dream, because it must have been a dream, the standing figure left the room quickly, its hands clutched over its face. A presence had been reappeared in the doorway. Why, it had hunched cigarette, lit at an end of the light, rising on up the stairwell. A cigarette had taken up the crouching, as if in pain. When the figure turned and turned towards him, the face had remained in the darkness. He was sure the person had been a woman for whom he felt a rush of tenderness and affection and remorse. Despite the shock that he had given, given by him by appearing at the foot of his bed, when he encouraged her in his sleep, he had been stricken with the same feeling of abandonment he remembered his first day at school. The dream had continued. He found himself, found himself standing behind the small figure in his spare room. In a part of the dream, he had been, she had been bent over and was mooching through a collection of plastic bags. You need to get ready. I can't go without it, she said to Frank, without once turning around to face him. He woke at seven. He discovered his face was briny with dried tears. He'd gone downstairs to smell of fried sausage that completed with a stink of new paint which he couldn't cook a single sausage in the house. Dreams turned nursery on Sunday and Monday night. It's caused by the kitchen cupboard being left outside the rain with his mother's vibes about other people's houses. Frank instinctively knew the kitchen wreckage was the cause of his troubled sleep. On Saturday night, the small female figure returned to his bedroom, but her agitation briefly intensified. He woke him to find her leaning over his face and his hands glass across her mouth. He suspected that the glimmer of a solitary eye had been visible, but he had seen no other features of the face of the woman in his dreams from behind her fingers and muffled with horrible grunts. 
He sat up in his bed, his heart hammering, convinced that he was actually intruding inside his room. Then he watched the figure of the small woman fade in the dark centre of the wardrobe. Quickly, put, quickly put the lights and conducted a search of the entire house. There had been no one inside with him. On the Monday night, there had been the figure of an elderly woman from inside his room again. But on hands and knees, he might also have dreamed about a wounded general because he once hear something meowing and fumbling about beneath a curtain. It didn't sound like a person. Round and round, the feeling was gone on all fours. For a few seconds, bumping on the walls in distress, he never saw anything and just remained stiff with fright in the bed. The shooter eventually led the bed, led the bedroom and scurried across the landing. Fate only saw the last girl was suspected. It had been a dog, because no human could move the vast and all walls. Terrified that Buchanan would follow, Frank had peered into the spare room and seen the figure of the old woman and the small body covered in a grubby housecoat. With her back to him, she had been searching amongst boxes of photographs, albums and final jackets. Until she found what she had been looking for, she held it beside her lowered face and gave Frank the impression she was was either struggling to read in bad light or putting something inside her mouth. Frank didn't know, but he could hear the woman's heavy breathing, which wits had chewed the animal grunts. And then he spoke to the figure, turned quickly, and that showed round, showed him a pair of milky eyes, like he once seen in the head of a dead sheep, and bared teeth that didn't belong to them inside her mouth. Frank had awoken but underneath the eiderdown in his room with his fingers stuck down his own throat. The Tuesday morning he carried the broken kitchen furniture back inside the house and drained the wreckage of the drain down. The very act of reclaiming felt as if he was rescuing a drowning cat from a canal. Mail from the nurses of the council were registered as right on Wednesday morning advertised for Mrs. Rory White. He put the letters in a neat stack beside his personal poster on the kitchen counter. He repaired that unit as much as possible and then placed it in leaning against the wall. Set out tilt which didn't help the house much. He couldn't bear another night of the broken wood being outside of the cold. The new steel kitchen units was what went outside and into the yard. Of course he would not be a permanent arrangement, but he couldn't settle his nerves to a swap and remain. He went he spent Tuesday and Thursday on surface listless melancholy drifting through tele after the intelligence for the Millicom and comfort they can provide being provided. He took a long naps and the fire gas fire on. The glow and little clicking sounds assured him more anything he could remember. He would often wait for nappy naps because of the little figures in his dreams. It muttered itself at the top of the stairs. Anyway, Frank would never remember what it said, and there was no one there when he looked. Frank also spent time, a lot of his time staring at the pattern of the kitchen table, thinking of the rooms he occupied as a student cohabs through, through his twenties and two girlfriends got long gone. House shared with strangers with whom he had no contact now. An increasing instinct crowd of his memories. They had been alcoholic and once consumed extra strong cider. A cup of soup and a few scales 
Will you think I can child at ten birthday parties? Spent hours locked in the bathroom. He would no longer remember the names or faces of the girlfriends. He tried for a while until he moved to the living room and fell asleep before the countdown. On Tuesday evening, Thursday evening, he refused to take a call from Marcus. He had been coercive the previous weekend too. Once I said for some reason, Marcus recalled what irritating French was that such was to be. He put on his uh, put his iPhone on the cover in the cupboard on the stairs deep within a book box of wooden toast pegs. He hadn't had enough he hadn't had enough time to think about the changes they once planned to make to the house. He could not avoid being rushed. He sleep but went downstairs until the weekend he found himself watching the television not seven to nine before going to bed. Hubby shop kept him fed with resourceful guardian memories and flavour. When Marcus arrived on Saturday morning, Frank did not answer the door. Instead, he lay on the floor in the living room with the curtains closed. At the end of the second week of work, he called the office from the public phone outside Happy Shop to tell them he wasn't coming back. On Monday, his fourth week in the house, Frank finally went took, went out the tools, went out for tools, not to renovate the property, but try and repair the kitchen. The task would not be put off any longer. Yet, to leave the house was excruciating. Twice. The previous week he'd been cooking. Erectly he looked up because he was convinced that he'd been watched in the doorway. If he could, if he caught doing something wrong or eating something he'd been told not to, imagine presents being seething with a surly disappointment and dark with possibility that room would become the focus of a new sensation of a restless growing since the Saturday when when he and Marcus had sorted the cabinets. The kitchen was the heart of the house, and he was loving it. There was no one physically inside the house with him, and they could not possibly bring. But the repeated sounds of small paddling around the liner between Matt and the Browns during the afternoons suggested that the region of his imagination he literally used the bereft presence was completely examining the kitchen. The first time he heard a shuffling to the feet, he actually worried the former owner of the house had escaped from the retirement community or worse, and let itself back inside, which he believed was still her own house. Frank recovered quickly from the sudden frights. Within the confines of the present comfortable room of the terraced house, he eventually found he was super- supervising presence acceptable, even deserved. Nor could he think of a single reason to doubt his instinct. A man was, had to be made. Within the house, such things were possible. But navigating his way through the world outside the house was no longer so familiar. Defeated him. When he went back out for tools, his attempts to find out the pre-assure home was wasted. Him before he reached his bus stop in front of the bowling alley. How unpredictable tides of energy and startling eyes of possessors and murderers had seemed to pulled his thoughts apart from and compressed them into a muttering stencil. He was thinking of too many at the same time, but then forgetting one train of thought, a side time and another began. The pressure of the city exerted upon him was tangible, uncomfortable, like a head slapping wind on a hilltop, or coat pocket caught in a door handle, unless he was inside a house or a hobby shop. He didn't fit in anywhere, and with anyone's way. 
He'd risen over and induced a quick parade outside the house because he was unable to cope with anything else and not at all, um, want anything. Never had been. The house had opened his eyes and there and there was something wrong with one of his legs. A pain had started inside of it. He should keep off of it. But he went out to buy the tools. The further he ventured from the house, the greater his physical discomfort and his confusion. Frankly, endless cigarettes and slight comfort they promised. Sukkot, he started smoking again at the weekend after being driven to an unstoppable urge to light up during the natural lottery at the bus stop. Fat pigeons were scurrying around his feet and watched him with their amber eyes. After boarding a bus, he made his way upstairs. His bad hip had been similar to standing upright in a rowing boat. Sitting by the window, as the bus trudged along towards Solid Oak, where he knew there was a DIY shop, he looked down at the streets and the woman wearing tight skirts and leather boots. Such a sight usually made him dizzy with longing. Now the woman in their clothes disappeared all night. He felt dead to the previously strong in- images. The potent led to incredibility that such in himself had ever existed. From a seat in front of him, a mobile phone began to ring and Jill's handbag and noise distracted Frank from what would have seemed like important, meaningful thoughts. He barely remembered a few minute, moments later. He groaned aloud and Gary spoke in a loud voice. Oh, Jesus, he said, waiting to take the phone from her hand and drop it out the window. He wanted to hear it smash on the airplane below, muttering with the breath to prevent himself swearing aloud. He forced to listen to the strangest conversation. The girl's voice was controlled and sounded like she prepared speech as some new part of natural discourse. There were no pauses, no repetitions, or silences, just her going blah, 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 and addressing anyone on the bus. It's not a phone that she was holding, but a microphone. Perhaps the most most disappointing thing about getting older, he mused it was he would still be confronted by childish actions and behaviour. These incentives and encouragement were so important that Valentine now observed all about him whenever he left home. By the time he reached the Bristol Road, Frank had felt sickened by his aversion to anything around him, a hot loathing but a fascination too. A slight pitiful desperation to be included. In one merciful brief moment, he also wished to be burned to ash, having his name erased from every record in existence. He was rubbish. No one wanted him around. He dabbed the corner of one eye, but tissue when he wanted to go home and back to the hounds. As the bus edged, brushed the edge of the sunny oak, he'd fallen asleep and woken to find a vehicle trudged the wheeze of the streets he didn't recognise. He set through his stop and found himself in a big part of Birmingham where he'd never been before. Somewhere near Lowbridge, maybe. In a panic, he fled down the and alighted, then stood outside a closed factory and wholesale of salaries. Everything was inhospitable. Inhospitable. Self loathing, he choked him. Can I not leave the house without a map? He lived in the city for ten years, but he reckons none of us 
It was a street of village that actually moved. He got Dorotheus fiercely orientated and he slept on the bus. He followed the main road to the opposite direction the bus had taken. But grown tired and eventually turned his face to a wooden fence surrounding a bowery site and then offered a parasian of such contained rage that they left and left him with broken teeth and cuts in palms of his hands. Clutching his jaws together and grinding his teeth, he felt the enamel sharp of the tooth at the side of his head. His cheeks had filled with grit, but the tooth snapped in tension with passing his body, leaving him confused and expecting shockwaves of agony. There was no pain inside the limp tummy of the dentist. He didn't know what, where the dentist were in his teeth. He even noticed that little half moons of blood and inside the palms made up his small old nails. It had been so long since he had bitten them. His nails were, looked, were like unpleasant female claws. How could they have grown so much and not noticed? Trying to retrace the, the brush route and find the right mark, Fate became hopelessly disorientated. He went in attacking woman's hairdressers, which is the only place he'd been able to find, offered him any sense of familiarity. He asked for directions. A girl with heavy makeup and strange glances. And he fancied himself able to exploit. He just stood and trembled before him. After playing his arms again in a silent exploration, he left the shop crimson with shame. Speech only returned to him a third. He stood muttering. Some people then stared. The cab had taken him home. These things used to happen. Never used to happen to him. His notion of the potential of such a flight had always been in place. In the back of the taxi, his hidden face inside the lapel of his overcoat, bitten his bottom lip until his eyes had brimmed with water. Two days later, as it might have been three or four, someone knocked on the front door. And for a long time, so Frank had hidden by lying on the floor of the spare room, heard his voices there, talking to the neighbor's garden, and known that they were trying to look through the back windows of the house. The rest of the afternoon, he changed more, more silk, cut cigarettes, and did not relax until it was dark outside. A coronation street theme tune was booming in the living room. The thought of going out to buy food had made him nauseous. He stopped to remind himself of the idea of leaving the house. He tried to fix the broken cabinets on the kitchen wall, but it instantly made him think of food. He got him upstairs to wash him when he arrived at the landing. He couldn't remember why he had gone upstairs. He went and lay down on the bed instead and avoided around him the smell of perfume, old furniture and stale carpets and chit-chat to radiate and come on with a gurgle. He felt safe and closed his eyes. Sometime in the night, Laura came into the room. Wolf Laura was reclined inside the bed. She sat among Frank's chest and pu- pushed a thin, cold hand inside his mouth.